You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 95. In this uh, episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Marcia Clark, who is the best-selling author and a criminal lawyer who began her career in law as a criminal defense attorney and went on to become a prosecutor in the L.A. District Attorney's Office in 1981. She spent 10 years in the Special Trials Unit, where she handled a number of high-profile cases, including the prosecution of stalker murderer Robert Bardo, whose conviction for the murder of actress Rebecca Schaefer resulted in legislation that offered victims better protection from stalkers, as well as an increased punishment for the offenders. She was the lead prosecutor for the O.J. Simpson murder trial. In May of 1997, she published her first book, which was uh, on the uh, Simpson case, uh, without a doubt. became a number one bestseller in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, LA Times, and Publisher Weekly's uh, bestseller list. She made her fiction debut with uh, Guilt by Association, which uh, kicked off the uh, Rachel Knight series. Her latest book is Final Judgment, which will be released on April 21st. It's the fourth book of Sam- in the Samantha Brickman series, and this one finds Samantha in an investigation that draws her into her boyfriend's secret past. I received an advanced copy of Final Judgment. I really enjoyed it. Marsha Clark really p- paints a, a flawed character, but uh, makes her very sympathetic. Uh, so there's a lot of action, uh, very suspenseful with a lot of twists. I uh, highly recommend uh, you uh, pick up a copy of uh, Final Judgment. Uh, you can do so now at uh, thrillingreads.com forward slash Clark, and uh, that will be available uh, today, April 21st. It's also in Kindle Unlimited, so if you have a membership, you can uh, start reading that for free today. I hope you and your loved ones are doing well during and staying safe uh, during these uh, crazy times that we're going through here with this uh, global pandemic as uh, most of us are uh, sheltering at home, uh, staying in, at home. Uh, hopefully that's uh, going uh, well for you and your family and your friends and loved ones. And hopefully this uh, podcast can uh, entertain you a little bit, uh, learn uh, about uh, some of our favorite uh, thriller writers. And I'm very excited uh, to have uh, Marsha uh, Clark on the uh, podcast today. Uh, she's uh, one of the uh, f- one of the most famous criminal lawyers uh, there is out there, and a terrific uh, writer. So I was very happy to, to talk to her. So here's my interview with uh, Marcia Clark. Ellen, hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for doing the for doing this interview. I really appreciate it. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it too. Thanks for having me. Okay. Well. So well. First of all, I hope you're doing well during these uh, crazy <laughs> pandemic times. I hope everything's okay for you and your family. <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> I was like, not good, not good. Oh yes, yes, it's been so crazy. It's just it's been so weird. But uh, the the new new, I guess, the new normal. I guess you know, going grocery shopping with gloves, surgical gloves and masks and all that. I mean, damn. It is. It is bizarre. <laughs> kind of, we're, right. I mean, we're living in some kind of dystopia. Do they limit they, how many people can go in the grocery store? They some were. But mostly they're not because so few people are coming in at a time. It's not, they don't have to. But And everybody's staying very far away from each other. Everybody's got masks and gloves on. Everyone's taking it up, at least where I am, very seriously. And so, I mean, <laughs> grocery shopping isn't fun to do anymore. So <laughs> people try not to. Yes, yeah, it is so strange. So I, I was wondering, now, so, so, you were, so obviously you're one of the most uh, famous and well-known criminal lawyers out there. Did you find the transition to becoming an author difficult at first? No, it was interesting, you know, but I didn't go straight to author. I mean, I wrote, I co-wrote the book with um, a collaborator of the book about Simpson trial with Teresa Carpenter, who is an amazing author and a wonderful person to boot. <laughs> and after that, I thought, God, I've always wanted to write crime fiction. 
And I said to her, let's write crime fiction. And she said, no, you go do it. <laughs> you know, you can do this. And I didn't have the confidence. And then I wound up writing for television on a one-hour drama for Lifetime, Leo Show. And it was after that um, and during the process of writing pilots with my writing partner that I thought, you know, I should really take a shot at this. This is time, you know, to do it. And then I did. So, I mean, I wrote a bunch before I got published. <laughs> but, um, but it was really... It was really fun. It's, a, of course, a whole new world to step into, but I had I kind of transitioned into it slowly, you know, bit by bit. So I didn't just jump off a cliff, so to speak. <laughs> but but yeah, there was a lot to learn, and in all honesty, and there's there's a lot to learn with every new book that you write. You know, it's a whole new world. And then now I'm writing a standalone from three different perspectives, and that's yet a new world. <laughs> and I'm learning all kinds of things about what I did wrong. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of cool to keep doing new things and also kind of scary. So even when you were working as, as a lawyer and everything, you always in the back of your mind, you, you thought that you would want to give this a shot someday, <laughs> fiction writing? No. No? <laughs> Not at all. Nope. No, no. Really, that was never thought about it. I thought about it when I was a kid. And I mean a kid. I mean in elementary school. <laughs> so thought about writing, loved writing stories, making up stories and all that. But I mean, I... Also, never thought, well, it's not a way to make a living. <laughs> so yeah, no. <laughs> right, exactly. And I was right. But anyway, <laughs> it really um, never occurred to me that when I was actually lawyering, it did not occur to me to want to write crime fiction. I was living crime. <laughs> yeah, really I guess, yeah that is true. Yeah. I, uh, uh, having to put up with the real stuff uh, every day like you did, probably like you, you didn't want to go home and then start writing about it some more for, for, for fun. You know, not writing, but, but you know what, you know, to, to, to admit my sickness, I would you know, work in the course all day and then I would go home and watch like Law and Order. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was a sickness. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm such a fan of the two crime fiction shows as well. I don't know why we're all so fascinated with that stuff. Uh, it's interesting that from your perspective, since you, since you worked in it, that you also are a fan. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> or crazy. Yeah, no. crazy. We're all crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as a reader, were you were you a fan of uh, of mystery thrillers and those type of books? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean I went through phases. My my earliest phase was really sci-fi. Loved that. Loved that. And then kind of segued into crime fiction, and it only got more so after I became a lawyer. I read even more crime fiction. <laughs> uh, and so consider the wall-to-wallness of this, you know. <laughs> I'm working in courts all day and dealing, you know, working with cops and detectives and on cases, and then I go home and watch TV, and then when I'm done watching TV, I'm, re- I'm reading crime fiction. You know, it's <laughs> as I look at it now, <laughs> I had, there's no... I am very one note. <laughs> <laughs> well, also interesting too, because I read um, I read an interview that, that you did that you said that you were a stickler for getting the illegal de- uh, details right in your books. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that process? Because that's got to be such a balancing act to get the legal stuff right but still entertain the reader. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that, that's always a, a challenge because you don't want to be boring about it. So I don't, I can't say that I get it a hundred percent right all the time. An example of where I cheat a little bit is in how long things take. I mean, you know, if I was truthful about how long it takes for a case to get to trial, especially a big one, calendar pages are turning as readers are snoring. You know, that doesn't. <laughs> we can't do that when we write about it. Um, but in general, in terms of the way a prosecutor can maneuver or the way a defense attorney can maneuver, for the defense attorney, I do pull it out. I definitely do take 
give Samantha Brinkman the chance to really swing for the fences and do things that I'm sure, well, I can't say none. <laughs> Probably there are some lawyers somewhere in the world who would do what she does, but I doubt it very much because, you know, she kills people. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and you don't usually think of that as part of your gig. You know, the hourly rate doesn't usually cover it. But I think that um, in general, though, the way a case unfolds, what prosecutors do and how cases get investigated, I try to keep that as close to the truth as possible because I think readers are pretty smart. You know, everybody's seen so much and read so much at this point. You can't get away with a whole lot of sloppy stuff without getting called on it. And it would be really bad if I got called on, you know, procedures like that. So I, I do try to keep it real, and I think it's more fun for the reader when you do, too. Yeah, that's what I thought when I, was, I read Final Judgment. Um, I finished it uh, this uh, morning, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, like, uh, it was it was different than I thought it was going to be because it's a, it's a lot of action, fast-paced action. Uh, it was a lot of fun to read that, and uh, all the, you have a lot of twists on there as well. So is that something that you feel like uh, like people are going to be expecting something because, you know, they know who you are as a lawyer, or is that not the case anymore now that you have several books under your belt now? You know, I just don't know, Alan. You know, they might still be expecting, I think you're kind of referring to courtroom drama. Yeah. Um, you people kind of expect to see that. They might. They might still. You know, I mean, it's hard to say that I would blame. I wouldn't blame them. <laughs> you know, the thing they know me from is court. But um, I really try in writing to stay away from the courtroom. I think every kind of possible permutation of a dramatic scene in a courtroom has been done a million times. And to the extent in today's world where people know too much about what really goes on, to the extent you can draw something dramatic happening in a courtroom that makes sense, it doesn't make people go, oh, give me a break. <laughs> I don't know. There's much left to do um, in that way. So I really try to stay out of the courtroom for the most part, um, unless there's some kind of fun jousting that the lawyers could do with each other. Um, but pretty much I keep all the books in the field, running around. As so a final judgment, is the fourth book in the uh, in the Samantha Brickman series. Um, how did you get the idea for the character and for the series when you first started it? A total accident. It was the weirdest thing. I had finished the Rachel Knight series, and I was determined to write a standalone. And I took a crack at one that focused on a juror. I took a crack at one that focused on crime victim, and nothing really gelled. And then Samantha just appeared, like in my brain. You know, she was just standing there looking at me with a hand on one hip and saying, what about me? And I, oh, okay, I guess that's what I'm doing. <laughs> and it really happened like that. And then so I just had to explore. So, okay, so who is she and how'd she get this way? And, and it just started from there. Do you, uh, do you see it putting any of your own traits, uh, personal and your learning skills into Samantha Brickman? Do you kind of mesh those two worlds or do you keep them separate? <laughs> yeah, I can, you can't help but write about from your own experience, whether you mean to or not. I think that writers put themselves in every character in one way or another. It's not necessarily a direct one-to-one -one correlation, but there's, there is, you know, some kind of... There's, there are ways that are probably subconscious, really. In Samantha, she was just kind of a, an avatar. Like, she's my id, <laughs> you know? <laughs> she, she cures the failings of the justice system. Where, where bad guys might ordinarily walk out the door, she makes sure they can. <laughs> and she takes care of the... Of the the guys who got busted who really deserve a good defense and are, are kind of victims of society. She has her own sense of justice about who deserves it, who deserves help and who deserves not help. <laughs> <laughs> Punishment. And then she does it herself. She's judge, jury, and executioner. And yes, not unusual for her to be executioner. So 
it's kind of satisfying to write a character who can swing for the fences, break all laws. She doesn't just break them. She shreds them and then she burns them. She's somebody who just, I, I always consider her as kind of a little on the spectrum, if you will. She definitely has people she loves and she, she's close to, but not many because, uh, she, because she has a very traumatic childhood that kind of left her scarred. Scarred and suspicious of everyone, particularly the law enforcement and the, and the justice system. So, which is why she has no regard for authority whatsoever <laughs> or rules. But she does the right thing, and ultimately, and it's really kind of fun and liberating to write a character like that who has no doesn't she doesn't suffer a lot of pangs of conscience. Let's put it that way. Have you ever um, put any of the stories that you encountered in your real life or in your actual cases into your books, or are they like ripped from the headlines, like Law and Order? Or no, <laughs> no, I really don't do that. I mean, what I do is I take I take themes, you know, like. What, what something that that um, kind of hits me that's happening in the real world. Like, for example, in Final Judgment, instead of starting with a dead body, I start with the fact that Samantha's boyfriend, Nico, um, has been involved with these this uh, stock trading company called Gold Strike. That, um, and, and Nico's a very a world-famous martial artist who's gone very entrepreneurial, and he gets starts investing with these guys, makes a lot of money, turns on his, his friends and his mother, this company, everybody makes money, and then suddenly uh, there's a Bitcoin trade that they do that goes way belly up, and everyone loses everything, including his mother. Um, and he goes after these guys to talk to them and find out what happened, and then one turns up dead, and the other one is missing, and he becomes a person of interest. So, and then, of course, Sam has to defend him and wonder whether he did kill these guys. Um, and if he did, she wouldn't mind, but don't lie to me. <laughs> so it's a kind of a different thing where she expects him to tell her everything that he's done. On the other hand, she admits she doesn't tell him what she's done. <laughs> he doesn't know what she's doing um, on the wrong side of the law. So there's a lot of um, twists and turns morally as well as action-wise. But I, I certainly took the page out of the Bernie Madoff thing, out of the real Bitcoin uh, fraud that has happened. And played it out, you know, so what happens when people lose everything? What kind of enemies does that create? And how do they get to that position? And so it's always something that's happening in the world that kind of starts my wheel turning in terms of the crime that I want to talk about. That, that's, that, that was familiar when I was reading in the Final Judgment was that whole BitConnect Ponzi scheme thing that happened in real life. I was like, oh, this is kind of mm-hmm. kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. And so what's your, how much research do you do, do you put into these books before you actually start writing them? Do you- no. Not a ton. You know, I'll read news articles and stuff about how a crime really went down. I read up on Bitcoin uh, for a while until I decided really the ins and outs and intricacies of Bitcoin are not fun or interesting to read about. So I really kind of skimmed that whole, I skimmed the technical aspects of how it works and why it works. Because I don't think, if you you want to read about that, you're not going to want to read my book. (laughs) And if you read my book, you're not going to read about that. So I just just kind of threw the term out there but I did study it and I always do research throughout the process of writing you know like what would would this really happen would that really happen um, it's kind of an ongoing thing and do you like put uh, are you like an outliner or do you just sit down and start writing the story once you're ready to go no I, I outline I definitely do I have to make sure that there's enough story there that the characters are compelling enough that that there's enough of the story that moves the characters um, into exposing themselves to make for an interesting read. So I do an outline and I kind of follow the system that I learned in writing for television where you do an outline and I do an outline that's a general story 
description of where we start, who our characters are, and where we end. And then I do a chapter breakdown, which is really a scene, a scene, a scene. So every I have a tendency to do short chapters, and each chapter is a scene. Yeah, I hadn't, I, I hadn't realized that when I, um, that you had actually done television work, and you actually co-created uh, that ABC TV show, The The Fix. Um, mm-hmm. Are there big differences between writing a t- television script versus a book? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are definitely big differences. You know, you can sit down with a book and put somebody in Bora Bora, and then you can put them in New York City, and then you can put them in Hong Kong. And, you know, if you try to do that in a screen, you're probably not going to get your show picked up because it costs too much. <laughs> so you have, you know, there are certainly constraints in uh, in a script that you don't have in a book. But by the same token, uh, with a script, you obviously have you have images. People can see who people are, and they can hear how they say the words. And it's also a lot shorter. I mean, it's really, I think writing scripts is kind of like haiku. You know, you have 58 pages to deliver a story, and the, the programs you have to use to write them have a lot of big, wide margins. So you don't have a lot of room, and you have to think about how to pack in the emotion and the drama in a very tight framework. Whereas in a book, you can really spread out more. What's your uh, writing day like when you're working on a project? Do you like try to hit the X amount of words a day or do you write every day? I write every day. I write seven days a week. I don't think about it in terms of words. I think about it in terms of, I want to get this part of the story. I want to finish that part of the story, you know, scene, scene, scene. So as I write, I usually try to um, work through most of a chapter a day, but you know, we're only talking four or five pages. So, you know, it all depends. Sometimes that only, it only happens for two or three pages. And sometimes after those two or three pages, I go back and rip them out and start over. <laughs> so I write every day, but it doesn't necessarily all, you know, wind up in the book. Final judgment is the uh, series finale. Are you going to miss uh, writing about uh, Samantha and those characters? I am. Yeah. I am. I really love Samantha. I mean, she is really fun to write. So I never say never. It's possible to go back, you know, and write more Samantha. But I did know that after I finished, when I was doing Final Judgment, I thought, this has got to be it. I've got to finally do a standalone and, and, you know, explore new territory and write from different perspectives because, you know, I I have to challenge myself, even though this book is driving me crazy. (laughs) And I'm constantly asking, why did I have to do this? This is so hard. (laughs) Is that the the, the standalone you're working on now? Yeah, the one I'm working on now is making me bang my head on the wall. It's just (laughs) crazy. And I really, I look at myself, what is wrong with you that you had to do this? (laughs) But it might be a form of masochism, you know. Um, But I'm doing it. I, I think it's important to challenge yourself and try to stretch as a writer and, and, you know, figure out how to do all different kinds of voices, not just the same kind of story over and over. Is that also in the thriller mystery type genre? Or? Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't challenge myself that much. <laughs> no, I just don't really have any <laughs> I don't have any interest in romance or coming of age or anything. I mean, you know, I would do it if I had a burning interest in it. But I think you, people say you have to write what you know. I don't think that's necessarily true, but you do have to write what you love. And, I, and if I were, crime fiction is what I love. If I find at some point I love bodice rippers, <laughs> I'll go for it. <laughs> and do you still do uh, any legal work, or is that uh, behind you now? Not, not entirely. I mean, I've done, I, was, I did criminal appeals in, uh, I think it's for most, all the whole country. When you're convicted of a felony, remember this, Alan, when you're convicted of a felony. <laughs> I'll have to write this down. <laughs> con- yeah, really, right? Take notes. <laughs> when you're convicted of a felony and you can't afford a lawyer, and most people by the time they're sitting in prison cannot, state appoints a lawyer for you 
to represent you because you're entitled to one direct appeal to the Court of Appeals, which can go as far as to the Supreme Court. And so that I was doing that. So the court appointed work for the indigent. It's kind of like a, a public defender, except you get to stay home and, you know, work on it. It's all written. It's all writing, briefing and stuff. Very seldom oral arguments in court. So I was doing that for a number of years. And it's kind of slowed down as I've gotten busy with more busy with television and, you know, writing books and stuff. But it's something that I, I do think I might go back to because I really liked it. You have those TV shows, too. I saw the you were in an ID of the 48-hour show that you had. I really enjoyed the, your perspective on the on those true crimes. Like I said, I'm a true crime junkie, so I enjoyed those shows as well. <laughs> Me, too. Me, too. That was a really fun show to do, I have to say, because we took these big crimes, big cases that many people do know like Robert Blake and um, Casey Anthony. And we found new things to say about them, things that I didn't know. And I thought I, cut, I thought I followed them pretty carefully. But when we dug into the research, I found there, were whole, there was quite a bit that I didn't know about. And it was really fascinating to work on and, um, and to do. So, yeah, that was cool. And then I did a podcast also that was a companion to the show. And I understand that they're re-airing the show now on direct tv with um excerpts from the podcast um put it in a, dropped into the show which is that was a cool idea oh yeah that is really cool yeah like the meshing the two uh-huh. uh, the two mediums together that's really neat yeah yeah i thought so <laughs> i didn't think of it but i'm not, no credit here <laughs> final judgment comes out uh, tomorrow I mean, we were we're chatting on monday and oh. so april 21st so that must be exciting yeah and um, and so, uh, any before I let you go, like we, uh, some of our listeners are aspiring writers. Any advice to aspiring writers out there that uh, that are listening to this? I don't want to blow smoke up anyone's uh huh, <laughs> but I will say because it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It is a hard. It's a hard thing to do to write a book. It's a lot of work. There's going to be days when you feel like you just don't have it, and days that you feel like you'll never have it, <laughs> and then every once in a while. You're going to feel like, wow, I did it. <laughs> this was a good day. And you live for those few and <laughs> far between days. And so the only advice I can say is keep going. Don't give up. Every writer I know, I've never heard of any writer that didn't have bad days, weeks, even months, where things were tough. And it was just pushing that rock uphill. But at, but at some point, the, the sun breaks through the clouds, and you really do have these wonderful flashes. And it's, and then it's worth it. Every day that was that was really sad and hard and frustrating and headbanging becomes worth it when you hit that moment where wow i i got it i nailed this so but you got to keep going you can't give up that's a great advice thank you so much for uh, talking to us about uh, your writing process and about final judgment it's a real pleasure uh, to talk to you pleasure to talk to you alan thank you so much please check out uh, marcia clark's uh, website at marciaclarkbooks.com you can uh, learn more about her books her writing and uh, where to find her on uh, social media at uh, marshaclarkbooks.com. And again, her book, uh, Final Judgment, is out today. And you can uh, pick up a copy at thrillingreads.com forward slash Clark to uh, check that out on Amazon. And that is my affiliate link, so it helps uh, support the uh, podcast. So I appreciate it. Stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to the Meet the Thriller Author podcast. Be sure to visit thrillerauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover great thrilling reads. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe, uh, rate, and give a review uh, to it, wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, podcast, be it uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, wherever it is that you're uh, listening to this right now, I would appreciate it. 
And uh, please do check out my own thriller novels over at my website at alanpeterson.com. Until next time.